Hello and welcome to another episode of Bright Future. I'm your host, Samuel Adams, but please call me Sam. This is a political and philosophical podcast that follows current events with the following rules to keep our discussion at least somewhat civilized. First, do not insult each other, but instead dis- debate in a respectful manner. Second, take into account new information and perspectives to update and refine your opinion. Third is Hitchens Razor. That which can be stated without evidence can also be dismissed without evidence, with exceptions for basic facts like the speed of light is 3 times 10 to the 8th meters per second. The fourth is the Sagan Standard, which states that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence to prove. Fifth is Hanlon's Razor, which states that we should not attribute to malice that which could be reasonably attributed to just plain stupidity. Lastly, sixth is Occam's Razor, which states that simpler explanations that make the least assumptions are more likely to be correct. Here, we will debate both the facts and the opinions, and do our best to distinguish between the two. Lastly, before we start, a warning. While I, nor anyone else here, intend to offend you, it is unfortunately inevitable when discussing certain topics. Instead of instantly hating me or anyone else here for having an incorrect opinion, please explain to us why we might be wrong or give us new information and perspectives that might change our minds. With no further delay, let's begin my essay section before opening it up for discussion. Now, I know I said last week in episode 25 that we would talk about general and special relativity, which I promise we will get to when there's a week where nothing major happens, but well, this week major things happen. Prisoner swaps are actually really rare, but before I get to that, I've got something a little smaller first. Last week, Senator Kirsten Sinema decided to leave the Democratic Party and instead register as an independent. According to the White House, this won't actually change much, but I disagree. I believe that with the primary political parties, Republicans and Democrats are encouraged or possibly even feel an obligation to vote with the rest of their party, even if they or the people that they represent feel differently about any given piece of legislation. However, if you're an independent, you may no longer feel the pressure from the rest of your party. You'd be able to become a lone wolf, able to choose your own way. This way, rather than legislation being passed based off of whichever party has majority control, our legislation would instead be, if the people or Congress people represent want it, then it will pass. And isn't that how it should work? But apart from Senator Cinema, there are only two other independents in the state, Senator Angus King from Maine and Senator Bernie, Bernie Bernard Sanders uh, from Vermont. Why did I say Bernie Bernard? Bernie is his nickname, Bernard is his actual name. With independents making up the minority, they might be enough to break a stalemate, but not enough to actually ensure that if the people want it, it will pass. I tend to talk a lot on this show about how we, what we do now may set a precedent for future changes in our world, and usually I'm talking about that in a bad way. But in this case, I hope that Senator Sinema's decision will set a precedent to represent your people instead of your party. I'm going to encourage my congresspeople to follow Sinema's example and do exactly this. Now, on to our main topic, which is about a prisoner exchange with Russia earlier this week. The White House agreed to ret- agreed with the Kremlin to return Victor Bout back to Russia in exchange for Brittany Griner. Here's some remarks from President Biden, made on December 8th, 2022. 
Good morning, folks, and it is a good morning. Moments ago, standing together with her wife, Sherelle, uh, in the Oval Office, I spoke with Brittany Griner. She's safe. She's on a plane. She's on her way home. After months of being unjustly detained in Russia, held under intolerable circumstances, Brittany will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones, and, uh, and she should have been there all along. This is a day we've worked toward for a long time. We never stopped pushing for her release. It took painstaking and intense negotiations, and I want to thank all the hardworking public servants across my administration who worked tirelessly to secure her release. I also want to thank the UAE for helping us facilitate Brittany's return, because that's where she landed. These past few months have been hell for Brittany and for Charlie and, uh, and her entire family and all her teammates back home. People all across the country have learned about Brittany's story, advocated for her release, stood with her through, throughout this terrible ordeal. And I know that support meant a lot to her family. I'm glad to be able to say that Brittany's in good spirits. She, uh, she's relieved to finally be heading home. And the fact remains that she's lost months of her life, experienced the needless trauma. She deserves space, privacy, and time with her loved ones to recover and heal from her time being wrongfully detained. Brittany is, uh, is an incomparable athlete, two-time Olympic gold medalist for Team USA. She endured mistreatment in a show, at a, in a show trial in Russia with characteristic grit and incredible dignity. She represents the best America, the best about America. It is across the board, everything about her. She wrote to me back in July. She didn't ask for special treatment, even though we've been working on a release from the day one. She requested a simple quote, please don't forget about me and the other American detainees. Please do all you can to bring us home. We never forgot about Brittany. We've not forgotten about Paul Whelan, who's been unjustly detained in Russia for years. This was not a choice of which American to bring home. We brought home Trevor Reed when we had a chance early this year. Sadly, for totally illegitimate reasons, Russia is treating Paul's case differently than Brittany's. And while we have not yet succeeded in securing Paul's release, we are not giving up. We will never give up. So that was a lot of talk about Brittany Griner, but what about who she was traded for? Victor Bout, aka the Merchant of Death, met a US DEA informant claiming to represent FARC, a Colombian rebel group in 2008. They negotiated for Bout to supply 100 surface-to-air missiles and armor-piercing rocket launchers to FARC to be airdropped by Bout to landing spots in Colombia. The DEA informant invited Bout to Thailand to meet their leader, where Bout was arrested in a sting operation. Bout was then extradited to the United States and was charged with conspiring to sell weapons to United States-designated foreign terrorist group, conspiracy to kill American citizens, officers, and employees, conspiracy to acquire and use anti-air missiles, illegal purchase of an aircraft, wire fraud, and money laundering. Victor was then convicted by a jury on the charge of conspiracy to sell weapons to a terrorist organization and was sentenced to 25 years in prison in 2012. The minimum sentence, because according to the judge, if not for the sting operation, there would be no evidence Bout committed the crimes. 
Brittany Griner, on the other hand, is a professional basketball player for the WNBA, one of their top stars. I'm not a sports person, so I don't know the exact terms. She was detained in Russia back in February by customs after cartridges of hashish oil were found in her luggage. She was arrested on smuggling charges. The vape cartridges contained less than a gram of hash oil, which had actually been prescribed to Griner in Arizona, but the medicinal cannabis is illegal in Russia. Several United States officials expressed concern that Russia might have been using Griner as leverage against sanctions imposed due to the invasion of Ukraine. In a closed-door hearing, Griner pled guilty but said that she had no intentions of breaking the law. The court found her guilty of the smuggling charge and sentenced her to nine years in prison, as well as fining her one million rubles, equal to 16,000 United States dollars. The situation gets worse though because Griner wasn't the only or even the first American held by Russian authorities under suspicious circumstances. Remember in that earlier recording, Biden talked about Paul Whelan, who was arrested in Moscow on charges of espionage in 2018. Paul is a former Marine and is also the security director for Borgwarner, an international auto parts manufacturer. According to Paul's twin brother David, Paul was there to attend a wedding of a fellow Marine and help the group's family members on their visit to Russia. Paul on their first visit to Russia. Paul himself had visited Russia many times. However, during this visit in particular, $80,000 in cash was temporarily confiscated from him during a customs inspection and later on during the visit. According to Rosebald, a Russian news agency, Paul was arrested in his hotel after returning from an outing with a Russian citizen who gave Paul a USB stick containing, quote, a list of all the employees at a classified security agency. Paul was sentenced to 16 years in prison. Again, this is all of the information I have available from Russia's end. There's a suspicious lack of due process. Whelan had said in court, quote, We have proven my innocence. We have proven fabrication. This is slimy, greasy, corrupt Russian politics. Nothing more, nothing less. There has been a sizable campaign to release him since, and his family said that Whelan had been told that he had been arrested specifically to be exchanged for a Russian prisoner in the United States. In, and specifically, that prisoner was supposed to be Victor Bout. Paul Whelan isn't the only other American citizen being held by Russian authorities either, though. Quote from Wikipedia. Mark Fogel is a, an American schoolteacher who was arrested in 2021 by Russian authorities for trying to enter Russia with 6 ounces, or 0.6 ounces, 17 grams of medical marijuana. In June 2022, he was sentenced to 14 years in prison. And that's it. That's the whole page about Mark. Instead, in order to find more information about Mark, I tried to find... I found Senator Bob Casey from Pennsylvania. While Casey celebrates the return of Griner on his personal website, he also encourages the Biden administration to prioritize bringing Fogel home. Especially considering that so far, the Biden administration has not put out any statements mentioning attempts to bring Fogel home. While Griner and Whelan have, ga have gained national media attention, it took me a lot of research before I just happened to stumble on him, and what I can find is very lacking. According to Forbes, the Biden administration offered to trade Victor Bout in exchange for Brittany Griner's release in May. However, a deal proposed in July would have traded both Whelan and Griner for Bout. But negotiations ended with just Griner 
after the Kremlin pros proposed an ultimatum of freeing Griner or no one. After many negotiations, Belt was released back to Russia on December 8th, and Griner was flown to Texas for an evaluation of her health. According to a White House press call on the 8th, Griner is, quote, in good health and that she is being offered a wide range of support options following her time wrongfully detained. According to that same press call, Victor Bout received the due process of the law, access to counsel, and a whole host of other rights and protections that Brittany was denied in the sham proceedings she faced in Russia. Which is also how I felt about her, Mark, and Paul's situations. Notice how I had a lot more details about Victor Bout's crimes, trial, and sentencing, including how he was caught and all of that. All of this information I found on Wikipedia, which should, in theory, contain as much as what is publicly available. All of the information about Griner's Marks and Paul's trials are from Russia, and everything from those trials are closed. They're not publicly available. While the United States does occasionally have closed trials, they're usually pretty rare, and only for cases that involve major national security implications. Not for things like drug trafficking. Now on to some of the reporters' questions from the White House, which is where this episode's title is coming from. Do you think this was fair? Here's the recording for the press brief or for a press briefing by Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre on Friday, December 9th. With her successfully. On a different topic, uh, yesterday's uh, prisoner swap. Does the president believe that the deal that was struck by his administration with, with the Russian administration with Brittany Griner was a fair one? That that was a fair arrangement? Look, and when I've talked about this uh, yesterday as well, uh, the here's the way that we have seen this. Uh, you know, when you talk about fair, uh, Brittany Griner is an American citizen who was being held unjustly. She was being held unjustly. Uh, under intolerable circumstances. That was what was happening uh, to Brittany Griner. And so that means something to the president. Uh, he believes, uh, you know, the, when you have an American passport, it means something. And so he wanted to do everything that he could uh, to make sure that he brought her home. And we were presented with an option. Uh, as you know, we've laid this out. You've heard from my NSC colleagues as well, where it was uh, either Brittany uh, or no one. That was the option that we were, were given. And so the president wanted to keep his, his uh, promise in making sure that he brings American citizens home who are being wrongfully detained uh, abroad. That is a promise that his administration uh, is uh, continuing to conti continuing to fight for. And so that's what you saw. You saw the same action that he took with Trevor Reed, he took with Brittany Griner, and others, almost a dozen other, um, other wrongfully detained uh, Americans have come home under his administration, and he is going to continue to work very hard, and his administration, to work very hard to bring Paul Whelan home. Is that fair or not? The way that we see it is that this was an opportunity to bring an American home. That's how we saw the deal that was presented to us. And what was what was occurring is in the past week or two, we saw that from the Russians were were willing to release Brittany Griner uh, for Mr. Boot. That was what was presented to us. They were not willing uh, to, uh, and I said this yesterday, to negotiate in good faith for Paul Whelan. And so it was either Brittany Griner, 
one American or no American. And so that's how we see uh, the negotiation that was presented in front of us. And that's the very difficult decision that the president had to make. Uh, and uh, we were able to bring her home safely. So uh, is it fair or not? The press secretary never answered the question. Another reporter had the same question in a background press call. Since it was the background call, there's there's no recording for it, so I'll instead read the transcript from the White House website. How is it acceptable to trade a woman who is wrongfully detained for a criminal so notorious that he has the nickname the Merchant of Death? Given the notoriety of Bout, how do you possibly avoid other governments of the world thinking, well geez, if I just take one of theirs, we can get back one of ours that's even bigger? The senior administration official replied, so I guess we start by asking ourselves the question, how is it acceptable for someone like Brittany Griner to be put through sham proceedings and forced to spend, as she was sentenced to, nine years in a Russian penal colony in horrific circumstances that she did not deserve? And we regard that as unacceptable. And from there, we work to make it not so and to bring Americans home. We try to explore all sorts of alternatives. We try to pay, of course, as little a price as possible, but ultimately we feel there's a moral obligation and frankly, a policy obligation to bring the people who are held hostage or wrongfully detained home. I would also emphasize that the best antidote to future, future predicaments like that is avoiding these types of cases from arising in the future. And so I'll go back to what I mentioned earlier, which is we, as an administration, have been very committed to deterring and preventing the next set of potential cases from even happening to begin with. So what, am I and every other American citizen, media, military, doctor, without borders, and more just not supposed to travel? What if a foreign government kidnaps an ambassador right out of a, well, right out of an embassy? Which is in their country already, just to do a hostage trade. And while Russia isn't a terrorist organization, they wanted us to release a man who's trying to sell weapons to terrorists. I thought we weren't supposed to negotiate with terrorists, and by that logic, we certainly shouldn't negotiate for the release of them. I'm not saying that we should have left Greiner in Russian custody. While I'm not a fan of her history of domestic violence and her attempt to remove the national anthem from sporting events, she doesn't deserve nine years in a Russian penal colony. She's already served jail time for the domestic violence, and the First Amendment means that she's welcome to say what she wants about the national anthem without fear of legal repercussions, even if I strongly disagree with it. So, I began investigating. What other possible trades might have been made? The list of Russians currently imprisoned outside of Russia is pretty short. According to Wikipedia, there are only 15 for both current and past imprisonments, and most of those past imprisonments are so long ago that they're either deceased or their sentences ran out. Of those currently in prison, one possibility is Roman Salsimev, known by his hacker name Track2. Between 2003 and his arrest in 2014, he performed many illegal online crimes, but his favorite thing to do seems to be to steal credit card information. His arrest in 2014 was controversial in Russia, just like how Greiner's arrest was controversial in America. However, much like Bout, he received all of the rights and followed the proper due process, and after a 10-day trial in 2016, a jury found him guilty of 38 counts of hacking, wire fraud, and racketeering. He was sentenced to 27 years in prison. However, 
those crimes don't really match Griner's crime of carrying less than a gram of hash oil through customs. Another Russian imprisoned in the United States is Linoid Teif, who, along with his wife, was arrested in an FBI raid of their $5 million mansion in 2018. The couples were charged with 29 combined counts of money laundering, bribery, murder for hire, possession of firearms with obliterated serial numbers, and more. In 2019, Teif was indicted by a federal grand jury in Utah after documents revealed that he was bribing the Utah FedEx ground hub manager with over a million dollars. Teif is still waiting for a full proper trial and sentencing, however, and again, these crimes aren't exactly the equivalent of carrying less than a gram of weed oil through customs. During negotiations, it also seems that Russia was trying to get Vadim Kraskov in the trade. I'm I'm sorry if I'm butchering these names, by the way. I'm I'm not great at pronouncing things. I'm I'm doing my best. In Germany, Vadim assassinated. Oh no, I'm I'm really sorry if I butcher this. Zelmkan Kangosavili in 2019, presumably to prevent Zelmkan from continuing to inform the Georgian intelligence service for the country, Georgia, not the state about Russian spies. In 2021, a court in Berlin found Vadim guilty of murder and sentenced him to life imprisonment without parole. The court also determined that the murder was ordered by the Russian government as a state-contracted killing. As you can't imagine, there are just a few issues with trading for Vadim. First, the fact that Russians are trying to trade for him just makes that last court determination look more accurate, that the, German, that the Russian government had a guy assassinated. Second, the guy assassinated someone. That is not equivalent to less than a gram of hash oil or 16 grams of marijuana or even possessing a USB stick containing a list of names. While looking through these other options, I thought of one other possibility. And to preface this, it's definitely a morally questionable option and might actually be illegal to follow, but I'm not sure. But... What if the Biden administration waited for a Russian, the higher profile the better, to enter the country and nitpick the heck out of them? Find some minor charge equivalent to the charges brought against Griner, Fogel, or Mark, and arrest them specifically with the intention of trading them for various Americans that are held abroad. You see, Fogel did mention that during his trial, or sorry, not, not Mark Fogel, um, Paul Whelan mentioned during his trial, or told his family, at least according to his family, he was told that he was arrested specifically to make a prisoner trade. So, if we did that too, well, they did it first, I guess, but still morally questionable. But if we took that route, I wouldn't need to worry about this last thing that I want to mention. On December 10th, according to a Russian news website, TACC, Viktor Bout put out a statement on his return to Russia, claiming that he supports the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and now that he's free, would volunteer his skills if given the opportunity. I'm reluctant to include this last line because of who originally made it and his questionable reactions to the situation, but still, it feels fitting. This is the worst deal in the history of trade deals, maybe ever. I feel like I should add some context around this. I haven't scripted this part, so it's going to be a little dodgy. 
Donald Trump got his Twitter account back. And he's been tweeting out things about this whole situation, right? He's strongly criticizing the Biden administration for making this trade. But I think that Trump's being a hypocrite because while he was in office, he didn't mention uh, Paul Whelan at all. He didn't mention his arrest. He didn't make efforts to try and get him released. None of that. But now that Biden's trying to, and he has successfully now returned to Americans' home, even if he gave Victor Bout for one of them, it's more than Trump's done. So I don't think Trump has a leg to stand on when criticizing all of this. But that doesn't mean I agree with a trade either. This is an icky, messy situation, and I'm really upset about it. I, I That's all I know. I'm, I'm not, like, sure what else someone else should do about it, what other possibilities there might have been, because according to the Biden administration, the Kremlin posed the ultimatum of it's Griner or no one, and they chose what they could get, right? It's a, it's a very tricky situation. I don't envy Biden for I don't envy Biden's position on this but I don't think he made the right choice either there has to be other options somewhere there must be another way that isn't releasing an arms dealer back to a country that is trying to invade another country Especially considering that arms dealer is uh, volunteering his skills if the government gives him the opportunity. No one else is in the voice channel today to further discuss their own opinions, so instead I'm going to end it here. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Bright Future. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit those follow and subscribe buttons. If you would like to support me, I also have a merch store which displays both the podcast logo and individual episodes art. These episodes are recorded live on Twitch and in a Discord channel that anyone is free to join every Monday at 7pm Central Time. Each episode is then released weekly at Tuesday on 6pm Central. So I'll see you back here next week. Bye!